This is a podcast from Minute Media. Lonzo Ball out for a couple of months. Alex Caruso back. Ayo DeSumo, God in a Bulls uniform. Okay, that's a little too tall, but he's playing great basketball. Ayo, you are the man. We've got Brian Beto. We've got the coach, David Edelman. Play hard hoops. We are here for some Bulls talk. It's the Windy City Bulls podcast. Bulls getting a much-needed win over the Cavaliers. Still sitting with that one seed and just, I think, a lot of exciting stuff for the future. I cannot get over Io. We will talk about him a bunch here. And great, great, great to see Alex Caruso back as well. Plus, DeMar is just awesome. Finding guys, hitting huge shots, being a leader. Who knew, really? that DeMar DeRozan was going to be this level of a player for the Chicago Bulls. All right, we're teeing it up here. How much are they going to miss Lonzo? What do the playoffs look like? Trade deadline, Kobe, Io. The Chicago Bulls, DeWindy City podcast starts right now. Showtime. Gentlemen, let me just give you the stats. In his starting performance as of late, DeSumo, 18 a game, 8 assists, Nearly six rebounds, couple of steals. He's turned it over twice in 39 minutes in three starts. And by the way, he's shooting 77% from three. Io DeSumo is the greatest player who's ever played basketball. Io Jordan. Io is the man. I love Io. This is fantastic, Beto. You're laughing, but like, I mean, freaking Io, man. It's he, He's like, he's, I would say he's like top 10 likable guy in the history of a Bulls uniform. Like if you don't enjoy Io, like you're, the guy is, he's just a great story. Yeah. I, I actually have two takes. One that's just kind of funny to think about. And then like a real one. The first is as of right now, right now, is he the Bulls greatest second round pick in their history? I think it's possible. Because I was like going through some of the second rounders that I was trying to think of outside of ones that they sold during the Garpax era pretty much every year. You got like an AJ Guyton, a Khalid Alamine, a Jake Voskel, an Eric Murphy. Like, who am I? Jimmy Butler was the last pick of the first round, so he doesn't count. Taj Gibson was late 20s. Well, I mean, is there anyone better? Jerry Krause, every one of his second round picks was the wrong player. And then a, then a hall of famer was drafted next. Um, <laughs> you can, yeah. you can literally go back and look, like late round. He, he, he literally never got it right with the exception. I what guess was, the, what was Kukoc. Kukoc. Kukoc was a second. So that's round the pick. greatest. That's the greatest. So I obviously this, I just thought about that right now as you were talking. So I haven't vetted it out. So it's Kukoc, but I was right there. The second thing is real quick is actually from a basketball perspective, how valuable is it not to only have that depth that they uncovered with the injuries they've had at the guard position, but you think about this team this year, next year, year after, and their competitive window, to have someone at that contract contributing that much when you have to max out Levine, you're paying a bunch of DeMar, paying a bunch of Vooch. There's just so much value in having a min Min guy like contract wise come in and play at the level of like way more than a replacement player. It's incredible. Uh, literally nothing excites you more than that. You love, love it. it. That's it's <laughs> like a quarterback, rookie quarterback playing on an incredible on a great contract, pre-arbitration baseball guy getting so much value in a league where the cap, you know, is gonna be come a become a factor for the Bulls and to get value from someone not making a ton of money right now 
is huge. So, Carm, yeah. you love the player. Carm loves the player. And <laughs> Bino loves the business transaction. So what, are we, what are we learning here, right? <laughs> I, do. I do love him as a player, though. I mean, absolutely. And, and we talked about this, Coach. I think I don't want to throw you under the bus, too, because I might be wrong. But I was like, pick uh, Jared Butler at the time. Sharif Cooper, yeah. I was hoping, would go. And then they went with Io. And I was like, well, it's fine. You know, he was projected maybe 20th. Clearly wrong. Not that I'm a scout, but I kind of thought that that Butler might fit a little bit better, but clearly wrong and happy to be. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, I, I, you know, nobody could have anticipated, and, unless you were a fan of IOs, right? Unless you were just a fan of the Illini and a fan of IOs. Yeah. Oh, what do you mean nobody? Carm, right here, was screaming Yeah, but you couldn't expect him Yeah, but just because level. he was from Chicago. We're, we're, and, and yeah, we're just talking about this level of play. No, no one expected that level I'm giving myself more credit than that. I will fight you both. You just last week, you freaked out because they... Last podcast because they retired his number and now you're ready to hang it. I know. Take it down from Illinois. Let's put it next between Jordan and Bob Uh, Love uh, right now. uh, That that that's that's a good counterattack on me. But I'm I'm just I'm just like watered off a duck's back. I'm not even going to remember that pod right now. (laughs) I I said the dude should have been a first round pick. I definitely said that, and I just didn't get it. Like I'm I'm watching him athletically. He's he's going up and down the court at I've said this a thousand times, but I'll say it one more time. He's he was going up and down the court at Welsh Ryan, and like everybody else was like a child out there, and he's streaking down playing the, Northwestern. What yeah, but like, but the, the the only time like the the only time that I've seen that where they they're, they're really like toying to that level, the dude is a good player. Uh, although I did see Denzel Valentine uh, just <laughs> k- kill the cats, and and so that that one didn't nobody, pan nobody, out as well. Nobody, just discredit yourself. Yeah, nobody's <laughs> doubting that Io is a good player, and I'm just about the level of I mean, shooting seventy seven percent, almost averaging a triple double as a rookie. Sorry, nobody. Whether you liked him or not, you, you couldn't have expected that type of production from him at this stage of him playing. But, hey, he, he's – he's forget to, to add on to the value, the big thing that he is, it's not that easy to find a player who's going to defend like Io. You know, it's really not easy to find those players who are also giving you offense, right, who you like. Yeah, you can find some – junky player that'll just come out there and play defense for, for 15 minutes a game. But Io has been good enough offensively where that defense matters. He's guarded Kyrie, Harden, Curry. Young. He, he was matched up with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. So we're getting like, you know, Trey Young, Trey Young. He was great yeah. against Trey yeah. Young. So di- different sizes too. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, what, what grade do you give him coach? Give me a, give me a breakdown of the defensive uh, postures of IO. Uh, I mean, he's an a, I mean, a definite a he, he's impacting the game defensively. I don't care who you play against. If you play against Kyrie, Kyrie's going to, or Trey Young or those guys, it's not like, not like guys going to score eight points. You know, it's not, it's not going to be like that. So the fact that those players have to work really hard to score against him and that you feel like going into a game, the big thing that you feel like, all right, if I put Io on Trey Young, Trey Young's not going to be as good as if I put a lot of other players on him. And Kobe that White. right there gives you the A. And the big thing, though, is he's playing well enough offensively for that defense to matter. That's the thing that people forget about. A lot of times, I hate when I listen in the draft, you know, the NBA draft, and they say, oh, he's going to be a great defender. It's like, okay, great. But 
if you can't score at all, if you're not going to help your team on offense, it's great. He's a great defender. He goes against Kobe Bryant. I don't care how great a defender he is. Kobe still scores 30. If he scores two, you're down 30 to two to start the game. So like at the end of the day, the guy's got to give you some level of offensive production, whether him scoring or that he's at least a threat to allow other players to score. Right. If like Io DeSumo teams just go double and triple team off of Zach Levine, right. Then Io DeSumo hurts you too much. But if Io at least can hit that shot to a, a certain amount, get offensive rebounds, whatever it is, if he's able to somehow impact the game still offensively makes that defense huge. By the way, going back on something I also said, like everybody made a big deal about DeMar taking the trip to Champagne, but there is a certain <laughs> level of chemistry that those two have that is just huge. Io makes very good decisions out there. Like sometimes he'll have an open three and he, even though he's shooting 77%, it's not his strength. He drives in the lane, you know, finds an open guy. Uh, and then, you know, if like Desumu hits the ground, I was like streaking in there to pull him up. Like this is, he's a, he's a great teammate and he's got the basketball IQ is out there too. You know, it's funny. I want to go back to the, the, the point. I totally agree, Mark, but the point coach made about his offense being good enough for his defense to really matter. And it reminded me of the bulls from a decade ago, which that team I absolutely love that besides the Jordan bulls, though, that's my favorite team, but they basically had to run out based on what they needed, a combination of Ronnie Brewer, Keith Bogans, and Kyle Korver. It was like, hey, we're down. We need points. Kyle Korver, you're in. We need defense. Ronnie Brewer, you're in. But he was so inept offensively. Ronnie Brewer had a nice career. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, Io is kind of a mix of all three. Not that he's Korver by any stretch, but to the point that Coach was making is that he's so good defensively, but also he makes the right move offensively, and he's he's at least a threat out there, and he's not solely single-dimensional on one side of the floor, which I think is what makes him so effective. I I, I love it. All right, Io, we, we, we've given you the, the proper uh, massage, keep it PG here, to start the show. Uh, we are burying the lead, which, of course, is that Lonzo Ball is going to miss probably two months. It's the second time he's had surgery on uh, the meniscus in his left knee, one stat that uh, you notice about Lonzo that I haven't thought about that you know, just upon further review, dude's playing 35 minutes a night. So you've got a lot of depth. Io's playing great. Kobe's playing great. You're getting, you're getting Caruso back. So it is a position of strength, but he's also had a great year. Coach, you want to start on this one? Like, How much impact do you think it has missing ball for the next two months? If Caruso goes down again, huge, huge. But if Caruso's playing, I think it's a much more limited uh, loss. One, because the Bulls put the ball in the hands of DeRozan and Levine so much anyway as a point guard, um, Io and Kobe getting better. So I don't think they're going to miss him as a point guard. That doesn't mean that he's not good and that he doesn't have his own value. But I don't think that your loss is too big. But defensively, you really lose. He's a really good defender as well. And when he and Caruso are down and Javante Green is down, we saw the Bulls become a much different defensive team. Uh, as good as Iowa was playing defensively, we were a much different defensive team with all those good defenders out. And Caruso coming back, I mean, he, what, he was plus 18 in his first game already and flying around. And so I think Caruso limits the damage of ball being gone but for sure if Caruso goes down again that would 
that would that would become a much bigger impact. It's funny because all the bulls, I don't want to say detractors before the year, but people that thought they weren't going to do well, thought that they'd be awful defensively and they weren't taking as much value in balls, Caruso's defense. Well, we, I feel like we've seen those bulls of what those people thought they were going to be because they've been without ball, Caruso, Green, even DJJ um, as well. And if to coach yeah, Williams. Williams, too. Williams, yeah. How about Williams? I mean, you, those Williams. guys. Come on, man. Like, I mean, they are just. They went from Bulls went from like I want to say sixth in defensive rating to like sixteenth in like a three week span because they were just getting torched by uh, oppositions, and they were playing some decent decent opponents. But to getting the timing with getting Caruso back is 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 pretty crucial. Uh, given that point is because I don't know what they'd be doing with without either of those guys in the lineup defensively. But before we go any further, I just want to give a shout out to the Bulls for uh, honoring Les Grobstein. They put him on this, the screen and uh, it was a class gesture and the Grobber never got the great press pass seat. I want to underline too. He was always at the third level, which I didn't agree with. It's Les Grobstein. Can he get a 100 level seat <laughs> along with myself? Uh, but that's fine. Uh, and Grover will be up. I saw your plus eight fifty to take his spot. I saw a car. I saw six, that in the uh, athletic, I believe, right? Six fifty. coach. You were plus six fifty. Decent value. Yeah, that, that's better value than like Doug Peterson becoming. Can the we head get you the plus four hundred after this podcast? Can we I mean, get yeah. I'm doing everything I can here. I'm battling Jeff Agris in the Sun Times, keeping me out of the top twenty. Uh, <laughs> do, doing videos on Twitter on that, and 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 trying to make a move on the grab, but. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of, Obvious Shirts has a shirt out right now, which may be the best shirt ever. Uh, have you guys seen it? I'm assuming. So, no, not. I saw that they were going to put out a less themed one, but yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Do you want to take a says. guess at what it says? Because it is straight genius. It's Think about, wow. I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll give you a hint. I don't know how well you know the Grabber, but think about his theme song to start the show. Do you guys remember what that was? Uh, I don't, I don't it know. It was a Rolling Stones tune. Yeah. Let's spend the night together. So the shirt, the shirt is, I spent the night with Les Grobstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's so perfect. It's so good. Is that That's like the I spent the night with Larry Brown shirts at Kansas University? I mean, the Grobber, if you, if you listen to... Uh, Parkins had that radiothon and at midnight he was at, it was, it's one of the best bits of radio I've heard. He, he asked him like, they were like, so it was, they were trying to get, you know, fruit to the Austin harvest market. So Les, what's your favorite fruit? He starts talking about how much he likes bananas. And it was, it was just completely ridiculous. He's like, you know, if you buy the green ones, uh, if you take them home, they're not ready immediately. And then you know, he's like explaining <laughs> how it was absurd. And then somehow it got into like addictions or whatever. They, like they, Grody asked him, what's his vice? And he's like, because well, if you don't if you don't like uh, if you if you don't drink and you don't do drugs, well, well, he's like, well, that's well, I, I but I do have a vice. I don't I don't drink and I don't do drugs. I'm not setting this up properly. But basically, the grabber told everybody that he's a sex addict, which was maybe the great, <laughs> which was maybe the greatest thing I've ever heard in radio. Oh, uh, so man. and now I spent the night with Les Grabs, and I just got us completely sidelined here. Um, I thought I was gonna have to have a heart a heart take uh, a hot take here that. Then they're not really gonna miss Lonzo Ball, like impact minimal. That is a hot take. You think it is? 
Because you, yeah. you guys just you no. guys just basically line up. Coach just no, said minimal. Not a hot take. Coach that they're not going to miss Lonzo Ball is Coach not just a hot said take. minimal, minimal, minimal. Like it might, like it's minimal from a standpoint, like that they'll be they'll be able to tread water of six weeks to have a regular season. But like if it, let's say he was out for the year, which he doesn't seem like he's going to be, that would be a pretty significant impact. Like how would they? go through and beat some of these teams that they think they're on the same level without their, their starting point guard and how good he is defensively. Well, let's, okay, let's go down that road a little bit. You're bringing him back with about a month left in the season, right? If things go well, 15 games. Does anybody worry that reincorporating him after he misses basically a quarter of the season? How no, hard is that? the way he plays. No, because of the way he plays, because he's such a, a giving player. So I don't I don't have any worry about him incorporating back into it. I don't believe Io Desumu and Kobe White are better than him. And I don't think they'll be better than him two months from now, where you feel like they'll be better than him. So I think I think they'll be fine there. So where Beto is saying they're missing him, yeah, he's better than a couple of the players that are going to play ahead of him right now. But in general, I don't think that it's a big loss. Could the Bulls survive this loss? Yes, I think the Bulls can survive this loss. I think Caruso would be the harder loss to. I've said I, I believe Caruso is the better player. I think Caruso is. I think he's right now. You know, you forget about him again because he was out for a while, and the Bulls had a run of success without him. But I really believe against good teams, Alex Caruso is. He's a monster player. You know, D- Demar talks about him like the basically the same way he talks about io he loves these guys and i look at the lakers dysfunction right now and russell westbrook getting benched with four minutes to go in a game and who knows what's going to happen there frank vogel maybe gets fired it's so good good. it's 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 what can be going through the bulls defensive struggles i needed that wake up up in the morning how the lakers do lost to the kings lost at home to the pacers oh it's so good I mean, think about that. They had Caruso. People slept on him. The Bulls didn't. If he's there and Westbrook's not, they're, they might be like literally 10 over. I'm not even kidding. Or in, totally they talked team. about DeRozan too, right? Like, wasn't he rumored to go there and they decided to allocate that money to Russ too? So DeRozan and Caruso, I think in theory, could be with the Lakers. And think, I, about, what they gave up. think about what they gave up. We saw Kuzma play, right? We saw Kuzma play with the Wizards, and we're watching him now. I, I don't know how anybody would have thought that Russell Westbrook would be loads better than Kyle Kuzma. And then you add Harrell and Pope, like Caldwell Pope. Like, I, I never understood that trade. I thought that trade was crazy to me. Me too. Uh, it's LeBron, LeBron, the GM right there. There, the other rumor that I heard, by the way, around like that whole Demar and and just those t- teams trading around, Demar supposedly the Nets, at least some people in the Nets organization were telling, hey, go get Demar, the Spurs will give him up for nothing, and I don't know if they would have been able to, you know, sign him back, but that and and they slept on it, didn't do it, and then they, you know, the New Jersey's or the Brooklyn rather is in their in their own. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant hurt again. James Harden's gotten fat and old hell. So I, I, so I don't good though. It's, yeah. But, but here, you know, the Bulls, there's a lot things have fallen in a very positive way from 
and, and give them credit to they identify. I'm give them full credit. Actually, they you know they identified yeah. Demar, they identified Caruso, but it just shows that oh my god, this never would have happened with Garpax. <laughs> never. For sure. No <laughs> doubt. There's 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 just no no way they would have been this smart. Uh, I'm wondering. We're talking about impact of of missing guys. We have not talked about Patrick Williams in two months, maybe more. Yeah. I mean, how good are the Bulls with Patrick Williams, or are they the same? You want? I, I know we're that's mere better. speculate. Better. How much better? How much better? Uh, potentially significantly better because if you were to say there's one part of the game they're missing is a player like him, right? They really are. They're missing a six eight six nine guy who can get more rebounds and uh, play against bigger players. I mean, yeah, there's no doubt playing against Kevin Durant and Giannis, Patrick Williams is the guy. So they're missing that player. So when you say, when I say significant regular season, all right, he's worth four more wins, all right? Three, four, five wins. Who's going to, is someone going to consider that significant or not? I don't know. But in the playoffs, absolutely. The loss of Patrick Williams hurts a lot unless they find a player that's going to fulfill that role this year for that. And that's why I would not trade Patrick Williams unless the Bulls really believe they're getting the right guy, or maybe I'm overrating Patrick, you know, which I'm hoping I'm not. But I did talk to somebody, and he thought that, hey, the kid's got a chance to be a stud. I mean, it's still out there that he may return this year. That would be great. I mean, Beto, you'd probably lose your mind if you got that guy back for the playoffs. It'd be like March of 95 in in (laughs) Indianapolis with Jordan coming back. That's how excited I'd be. Maybe not, but – I've, they've tried to band-aid it and with Green and DJJ, who've done a good job, but they're obviously, I think, Williams' ceiling and what he could bring at a more consistent level is big. And you see the impact even without those guys because they really struggled defensively guarding some of those power forwards or whatever they're position-wise now, like Giannis and, and Durant. So I think it could be pretty significant too, even coming from someone who's not a scout like myself. I mean, this this season, if I could just say this season hinges on the improvement of Vucevic. Yes, 100% correct. Where this team goes, whether they have Lonzo Ball playing for them or not, right? I don't care if Lonzo Ball comes back. I don't care if Caruso is amazing. If Vucevic does not play at at the kind of level he just played the other night, if we don't get that Vucevic at least three out of every four games, this team is going to struggle to go much further than a possible very tough first round or they'll be out in the second round. Correct. What are you seeing as far as his struggles goes? Like, is the dude just gotten old? What, what, I, I, I can't figure it out. So, Okay, I'll give, you my, I'll give you my belief. My biggest belief is that his shooting is just not there. And I, I'll say this – I'll say this about like Derek. Derek Rose was an amazing player, right? He was a great player, but when he started shooting the ball well beyond 17, 18 feet, because remember his early years, he just shot really 18 footers. And then once he started shooting well from the three point line, his game went super max to the MVP level. And what I would tell you, and maybe you guys know this having played when you shoot the ball well, it's so much easier to play because the hardest thing to do is to turn down open shots, right? But when you're really confident as a shooter, you don't care about turning down open shots. And I think right now, Vooch 
because his shooting is off, it affects every other part of your game. Do I drive? Do I shoot this shot? Is this a bad shot now? And so he's fighting himself a little bit because he got off to such a challenging start with a shot. Yeah, but how do you, and, and be able to get in here, but like, that's something that should not go away. This is a good, right? He's a, is he, is hey, it's he not, mental, right? Like he's mental. not even close. Like on some of his mm, shot attempts, right. like, it, like NBA players, like, oh, maybe they're a little short, long in a specific shot. Like he's like off the mark. Like he'll shoot one top of the key, be way off right. The next one is off left. Like it's, he's not even close. So it's got to, I don't know. It's got to be something mental. That was also, that was, I, I think you're probably spot on. And the, there was a great moment when in the Boston game, which the Bulls should have won and blew it late. The, oh, that was tough. A, a terrible loss. But DeRozan, you know, makes the right play, sets him up. I mean, maybe uh, I think there was a couple, one, at least one other player open on that play. But regardless, uh, he sets him up. Dude misses it. And DeMar, like, starts applauding him afterwards. It's the right shot. Like, I think. I mean, maybe I'm going too far, but it's like I think like Demar knows that this guy needs a little bit of a kid they, gloves they all, thing. All the comments after that game were that way, and I don't think it's a surprise though. He comes back his next game and goes what two for thirteen and has a horrible night, and it's kind of like. But then he came back last night. The guy has it. It's not that he doesn't have it, but he's fighting it a little bit. Like the confidence on his shot just is not where it was when he came here from Orlando last year. I mean, remember the game we played against Orlando where he scored 40 against us and like hit everything. It was like, and last year, every time he shot a three point shot, I was like, man, great. Like, you know, I never was worried about him shooting a three. He might miss a couple, but like Beto was saying, they're in and out a little bit long. Now he's, he shoots shots where you're like, what was that? You know, like, what was that? And I think that's, He's got to find that at some point, hopefully. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, he has to keep shooting it. Right. Because they are not going to go where they want to go unless he becomes that player. So Tim stop shoot, taking those shots is completely counterproductive in my opinion. So, because they have to get him back to where he was, if they, he needs to be that third guy on this team for them to have any chance in a second round. And and sometimes the first guy, because sometimes yeah. you play against a team that, from a perimeter standpoint, does a great job defensively on DeRozan. We've seen DeRozan go into moments where hey, sure. he, he's only shooting tough shots. And I don't care who you are. You're not always going to just knock down tough shots. And we know Levine at times can get a little soft on the, you know, he can get a little soft out there, right, and settle for tough shots. So having a guy that you can run the offense through in a different manner is what this team needs beyond another defender on the interior. Your arm's on mute. He's Sorry, my, my bad, once. my bad. That was, uh, <laughs> I don't know, who did that? Who did that? I, I, I clearly did, my bad. Uh, Vito, did you mute? Did you mute? <laughs> Vito wanted to, Man, Vito I can do that? Oh, like, my goodness. Business transaction. What a discovery. This is a business transaction. Uh, well, what, what I was... This is good stuff. I'll leave it in. For, for the record, what I, what I was trying to say was that uh, the dude's shooting 33% on the year from three. He's one, 1. 1.6 out of 4.9, one and a half out of five, basically, uh, you know, for, for the season. Which, it's like marketing with us. Right. Until and, he plays the Bulls, then he goes off for a season high and looks go, like I, Larry Bird out there. 
I was going to say, good good for you, Lowry. Come back, have a big game. <laughs> Congratulations. That's fantastic. Uh, maybe you were listening to DeWindy because uh, we have taken some shots at you because uh, our listenership is huge, and we we know that you were paying attention. Hey, <laughs> would you hey, would you give uh, Billy Donovan any Coach of the Year votes if you guys had him? Of course. You would? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I think to our first topic, the fact that I know he's getting an extended run now because of the injuries, but the fact that he gave Io an opportunity out of the gate. I don't think it's something a lot of coaches would do and put him as part of the rotation as a second round rookie. So, I mean, well, I, I, you know me, I love Tibbs more than anyone, but if Tibbs is a coach, <laughs> I was coming in in a 35 point game with 30 seconds left after Derek and Lul Dang logged 46 minutes. So you're, you're, I, that's so I correct. Good, I think it's a, it's really nice that I don't say nice, but I think, the fact that he gave him the opportunity because he thought he had earned it and was good enough to do, I think was huge from Donovan to start. Yeah. The year. I mean, I mean, usually you look at coach of the year in two ways, you know, one is competing for the championship. And the second way is what were the bulls predicted for as far as wins this year? Right. 40, 43, 44, right? 40. Yeah. Somewhere in there. So you usually look and see what coach superseded the preseason predictions. And then you right. see which one is, turn their team into a championship contender. So I think Billy's obviously the championship contender is still in the we'll see phase, but the uh, he's going to be up there with probably the most wins over top what expectations were. He's playing, Billy's playing Desumu and White together in the background. A part of that was out of necessity with everybody uh, getting hurt, but he's also figured out like, whoa, these two dudes actually can play together and Io can handle some of the ball handling duty and Kobe can play some of the two, which he I'm sure at least partly enjoys. And clearly they're, they can't trade Kobe white now. And word on the street was that they weren't going to do it anyway, but that dude just deserves a little props here on the back end of the pod here. He's, he's had a very, very, very good recovery and, and he's having a good year now. I mean, officially Kobe. Yeah. I mean, give him, give him, give him the love. But I, Io has made him more expendable. You know, I definitely wouldn't have thought he was tradable earlier. You know, I've said I didn't think he was tradable. But if I was going to play at the level he's playing right now, I would just say finding a player like Kobe is easier to do. You know, a combo guard that can shoot and, and score points is an easier position to find than a two-way guy like Io. And if the Bulls do get at the trade deadline now and there's a real piece that they feel puts them over the top, now they still have to replace what Kobe does. But I'm just saying finding a player like that is a lot easier than finding a player like DeSue right now. This is going to come down to Beatoville because are you going to be willing to pay Kobe White the dough to keep him at some point. I mean, that which could be you could pay him as early as next season. And I he's would got think, a what a year left of control. Yes. Yeah. I mean, is, even if he walks, if you think his value to the team now supersedes him, you know, leaving for the next year and a half, then you just keep him, right? So you don't. I wouldn't focus too much on the money aspect or. The, the contract because they, they can potentially win now. So whatever you think can help during that one, if they were a terrible team, then that's a discussion they would have to, 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 to think about. But so they did that with Portis. They've done that with other guys in the past, like where they're like, we're not going to win. We're not going to pay this guy. Let's move on and try to get as much as we can. They try to maximize what you can out of Kobe White unless to coach's point, they find someone that they feel can put them in that 
clear top echelon with with Brooklyn and and Milwaukee, if that's realistic. Which isn't going to happen, obviously. They're as we're recording, by the way, on Friday, it's ahead of them playing the Bucks tonight. So, and they have a ton of games coming up here, and the schedule gets very yeah, compacted. Tough. So, uh, I mean, Brooklyn's Brooklyn's hurt. Um, I don't know. I, I, Milwaukee, Drew Holiday, I think, is back tonight for the Bucks. They're relatively healthy. Miami's really starting to click. Bam's back for them. Hero and Lowry have been banged. Yeah, up. I think they're, the Heat are the favorite. I you think do? the Heat are the favorite yeah. in the East. I really do. I think they're good. And they're so well coached on top of it. So I mean, I shouldn't say that. The Nets fully healthy. <laughs> Those they're not three guys be. playing, they're the favorite, okay? So I, I guess if those three aren't playing together, then I think the Heat are the favorite. So I, I mean, it's going to be so interesting with, sorry, my internet went out. So I think I'm interrupting. Everyone. <laughs> uh, I w- I'm curious, like if Kyrie only could play a road games, how much that actually will tilt the scale to, to Milwaukee or Miami or even the Bulls. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Dur- Durant's going to be out a while and who wow. knows what he, I mean, and who I knows? think seeding is just way less important to the next Nets and Bucks, though, as it is to like a team like the Bulls or maybe even the Heat, because the Bulls clearly don't have the talent. So any edge you can get in like a home court advantage is beneficial. I think Milwaukee and, and Brooklyn just want to be healthy by the time they get to mid-April. So you think it's a huge difference if they're playing the Wizards, Hornets, and or Cavs? No, not for the first round. I mean, for when they match up later on. If that makes well, sense. So if they win the first round, I think the Bulls would like as a one seed, a two seed, like I'd rather be the two and play Milwaukee at home. I still think you're an underdog, rightfully so. But you, any edge that you can get to get that extra home court can might tilt the percentages at least a little more in your favor. Oh, uh, OK. So you're, you're as opposed more- to Milwaukee not caring about that as much as being healthy. OK, so you're mostly focused on home court, which I, I guess would matters. But. They're going to be an underdog I totally. think, versus Miami, Brooklyn, and or Milwaukee, assuming unless somehow Brooklyn hangs in there and, and they can't get there. Well, to your point, you might actually want to be the road team because then Kyrie can't freaking play. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> you defer the coin, like deferring the coin, coin yeah, touch. That, defer that's home court advantage. About. That's a good point. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about it like that. But yeah, I mean, like I said, the Bulls—the Bulls are not a contender, a true contender until Vucevic is playing at a higher level. That's just—that's just—that's just true. Just, I think everybody. I think that's where everybody is. If you listen to national media now, I think everybody was excited about the Bulls, but I think Vucevic is kind of flatlining here from playing at an All-Star level, of not playing at like an All-Star level like he has in the previous couple of years, has made everybody say the Bulls aren't there yet. All right, and, title, you know, title of this pod is going to be Vooch Concerns as the Bulls. Is, learn, is he the learn. most frustrating Bulls player since Carlos Boozer? And keep in mind, I was way no. lighter on the Booze Cruise than everyone else. But like from an expectation of like, oh, if he could just like pick it up a little bit and he, we know it's in there, then this team could like move on to the next row. But that just kind of reminds me. I just get irrationally angry at times when I see him miss. Well, don't, you think Lowry, don't you think Lowry marketing? No, because I never had high expectations. Come on. You had to have had. How did you never have high expectations? His rookie year, he was good. He was a seven-footer. He was a seventh pick. We basically traded. I was, we basically I was disappointed with the trade. Butler, but we basically traded Butler 
look, Levine was like important, but it was Levine and marketing, right? And marketing was seven, one shoot the ball. Everyone was talking about how good he's going to be. Man, marketing was a pretty big frustration for me. At least, yeah. at least you've won games because of Vucevic. This freaking marketing, man. I, I don't remember us ever winning a game because of him. Clearly wrong and happy to be. Carm loves the player and <laughs> Bino loves the business transaction. So what, are we, what are we learning here, right? This program was recorded on tape for a live audience. Last week, you freaked out because they, last podcast, because they retired his number and now you're ready to hang it. In the I know. Is, uh, take it down from going, Illinois. Exactly. Let's put it next we're, between we're, Jordan what? and Bob Love. Clearly wrong and happy to be. That that that's that's a good counterattack on me, but I'm I'm just gonna, I'm just like watered off a duck's back. I'm not even gonna remember that pod right now. That they're not going to miss Lonzo Ball is coach not just a said minimal. Clearly wrong and happy to be. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.